Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. COVID, still a thing. The Association of Republican Governors, pretending COVID is over before COVID is over because allowing the COVID crisis we caused by ignoring COVID to be solved by not ignoring COVID might just infect our voters with truth faster than our policies can infect our voters with COVID. And the Trump University Jim Jordan School of Shakespearean Shouting. Because a lie at any other volume smells just as bullshitty. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices lack in Jim Jordan level volume what Jim Jordan lacks in every substantive measure besides volume. Our top story this week. President Biden announced that after 20 years in Afghanistan, American troops would finally return home from America's longest war. It's like the old saying goes. If at first you don't succeed, try and try again and keep trying for 19 years. But after 20 years, it's time to get the hell out of there. But while there has been long bipartisan agreement that our poorly defined mission in Afghanistan has not been succeeding, there has always been intense partisan disagreement about the partisan reasons for the bipartisan agreement. We cannot continue to seek a military solution to a political problem. We cannot accept military defeat just because we cannot achieve a political solution. We need troop withdrawal. We need a troop surge. Stupid Bush! Stupid Obama! However, this predictably paralyzing partisan standstill became complicated and contradictory when former President Trump ordered the sudden withdrawal of all troops by May, offering no explanation for why and no logistical explanation for how. This withdrawal that we wanted isn't being done how we want it. So we no longer want it. It would be a mistake to call what we think is a mistake a mistake because now the Democrats think it's a mistake. Then, President Biden took office and decided to follow through on the commitment to withdraw troops from Afghanistan that he inherited from the former president. However, unlike Trump's plan, Biden's plan actually involves having a plan. And so, the announcement of troop withdrawal by a Democratic president returned the partisan debate back to its familiar partisan positions. The thing we wanted, but then didn't want because it wasn't being done the way we wanted, is now being done the way we want it. So we once again want it. The mistake that we mistakenly mistook for no longer a mistake because it's a mistake to call anything Democrats call a mistake a mistake is once again a mistake. For a deeper look at the history of America's forgotten war in Afghanistan, Barely Audible Whisper turns to our own Harvard history professor. So pretentious, he insists on being called Dr. Professor. In the aftermath of the catastrophic events of 9-11, Americans vowed to never forget. Therefore, I shall not remind you of what happened. Beaverdoers do evil deeds. Well, that's why we call them evildoers. Unfortunately, the actual geopolitical conditions that created 9-11 are more complicated than evildoers doing evil. Uh, we gotta get them evildoers. Mr. President, we were attacked by a terrorist organization known as Al-Qaeda. That's Qaeda, spelled with Q, but there's no U. Uh, That's an evildoer do. Al-Qaeda is a terrorist network and not a sovereign nation, which means we cannot simply declare war on them. However, 
They operate with impunity out of Afghanistan because they are allied with the fanatical Taliban-controlled government, which means... Uh, okay, uh, just skip ahead where the part where the, we bombed somebody already. And so America went to war with Afghanistan's Taliban government, who were not directly responsible for the 9-11 attack, but who bore enough responsibility to declare war against. And we needed to go to war with somebody somewhat responsible for 9-11 because it would have been irresponsible not to hold someone responsible. I declare war on the Taliban. America's resolve is strong and we will prosecute this war for as long as necessary because, oh, oh <laughs> look, we already won. Oh, well, that was easy. <laughs> But of course, while it was easy for the most powerful military force in the history of the world to topple a third-rate third-world government, winning the peace proved more difficult. Our military is capable of achieving any military objective imaginable. Unfortunately, in invading foreign power, establishing a functioning democracy in a nation with no history of democratic traditions, a military objective. Become a functioning democracy that respects democratic institutions and trusts the democratic process. Uh, but that concept is foreign to me. And you killed my family. You will trust that we killed your family for your benefit to establish a government you didn't ask for, or we will have to kill more of you. Indeed, such a difficult diplomatic challenge would have been nearly impossible for even the most adept presidential administration. And when faced with a challenge too daunting for even a competent president, the incompetent President Bush chose... Uh, this is too hard. Uh, let's just do the easy part again and topple a different government. But won't that just create the same problem in a different country? Uh, man, let's just do the easy part and, and hope the hard part turns out to be easy this time? Following the failed Afghanistan policies of President Bush, President Obama tried a different approach towards doing the exact same things. Uh, let me be clear. We need to end the war in Afghanistan. Let me also be clear. Uh, we cannot end the war in Afghanistan. And so, after eight years of wanting to change course, but ultimately staying the course, can we leave? Yes, we can. Uh, but to be clear, uh, actually, no, we can't. And so, not wanting the near chaos to devolve into complete chaos, President Obama continued to try and win the unwinnable war until President Trump, whose entire leadership style was based on chaos, created more chaos. Our orders are to attack, but also retreat. And there's gonna be a simultaneous troop surge and withdrawal. And we will not negotiate with Taliban terrorists, who we are currently negotiating with. And we're going to stay until the job is done. But also, we're going home on Tuesday. And so, after 20 years of a justifiable act of vengeance that turned into a manhunt that ended 10 years ago, that turned into an undefined mission wherein leaving was considered defeat by default because victory has no definition, President Biden has done what seems to be the thing he does best. I identify really 
really stupid things that America has been doing. And then I try and get us to stop doing those really, really stupid things. You know, it's like my buddy Corn Pop used to say back in Wilmington. He said, Joe, you got to keep your head on straight and you got to get us out of Afghanistan. In news out of Florida. Oh no, Florida? A group of scientists trying to reduce the transmission of mosquito-borne viruses Oh good, helpful scientists have created genetically modified mosquitoes Oh no, crazy scientists doing crazy shit in our craziest state The entirely male population of mosquitoes who have been genetically altered to eliminate their ability to breed have been introduced to a small section of the Florida Keys Haven't these people seen Jurassic Park? The, the plan actually makes sense uh, it has been thoroughly studied and deemed both safe and effective. That's what they said in Jurassic Park. For more on this story, Barely Audible Whisper presents a new segment we're calling Relax. It's not as scary as it seems. Holy shit. A biotech company in Florida is releasing genetically modified male mosquitoes into the wild in an effort to stunt mosquitoes' ability to reproduce. Didn't they say Jurassic Park? Relax, it's not as scary as it seems. Didn't you see Jurassic Park? Of course I saw Jurassic Park, it's a classic. So did you stop watching after the first 15 minutes? Or did you mistake the fat guy for the hero because he was on Seinfeld? They're not trying to eliminate the ability of an entire species to naturally reproduce by manipulating the gender coding of mosquito DNA. Life will find a way. All they're doing is making it so that a substantial number of male mosquitoes are incapable of producing offspring that survive into adulthood, thus significantly reducing the overall mosquito population that would otherwise be created during breeding season, thus significantly reducing the chances of mosquitoes spreading diseases to humans. Life will find a way. Yeah. Because if you drop a water molecule on a woman's hand, it won't roll down the same way twice, which proves that nature is unpredictable. And if that's too subtle, then there's the dinosaurs eating people. All they're doing is genetically modifying male mosquitoes. Ah! So that when the modified male mosquito breeds with a female, the offspring will not survive into adulthood. Life will find a way. But even if that were true, and the scientifically vetted genetic coding failed, it would just mean that the male mosquitoes would end up producing viable offspring at the same rate male mosquitoes currently produce viable offspring. So worst case scenario, nothing happens. But there will be the regular number of mosquitoes plus the mosquitoes that the scientists add, which means more mosquitoes! Ah! But the male mosquitoes don't bite, and the introduction of more male mosquitoes doesn't increase the ability of female mosquitoes to reproduce at higher rates than they already do. But if the worst case Jurassic Park genetic mutation scenario doesn't cause anything significant to happen, then that means... An incredibly boring movie! Welcome to Fewer Mosquito Park, which is just like a regular park, but, you know, with fewer mosquitoes. Why are you staring at that glass of water as if to foreshadow danger? 
Mosquitoes are attracted to still water. Speaking of water attraction, if I hold your hand and drop a single water droplet on it, I can demonstrate chaos theory and flirt with you right in front of your husband. No, uh, it just occurred to me that even if this worked, the entire concept of a fuel mosquito park is not a very good business model. Oh my God. I'm actually seeing mosquitoes with my own eyes in real life. On second thought, there's nothing remarkable about that. Oh, uh, we thought we'd save some money by not offering mosquito repellent. There's no bug spray. I'm going to hide in the bathroom. God creates mosquitoes. Mosquitoes annoy man. Man limits the number of mosquitoes. Nothing happens. Oh my God, a mosquito is biting me while I'm sitting on the toilet. This is the most boring thing I've ever experienced. And I study bugs for a living. It's so itchy! Life uh, found a way. Corporations in Barely Audible Whispers, home state of Georgia, as well as several high-profile names in Hollywood, are threatening consequences to Georgia business in response to Georgia's new voting law, which many claim is racist. Mainly because it's racist. This has prompted Republicans to push back, such as in this ad from the Heritage Foundation. Heritage, a word not coincidentally associated with defenders of the Confederate flag as not being racist. Hi, I'm a white lady who reminds you of your aunt, who's a great cook and a nurturing mother, but who'll go mama bear on anyone who does things Jesus doesn't like, such as boys with long hair and not speaking English. The Democrats' radical rhetoric about Georgia's new election law to prevent voter fraud is just not true. The law actually expands access to early voting and voting on weekends. As for voter ID laws, if you ignore the racist history of how our voter ID laws are enforced, (laughs) there's nothing racist about them. So please shut up and let us do this. This message is from the Heritage Foundation, which might as well be named the Antebellum Foundation. But because Barely Audible Whisper believes in exploring the facts, as long as we can find a way to make it funny, we'll now look into the question of whether or not Democrats' opposition to this law is overblown. We now turn to one of the few remaining reasonable Republicans. Hi, I'm a Georgia Republican, one of the few who voted for David Perdue in the 2020 election, but not for Kelly Leffler or Donald Trump. I did vote for Biden, and for Senator, I wrote in Newt Gingrich because I draw a very strange line when it comes to politics. And because the threshold for reasonability is so skewed in Republicans, we're also bringing in the actual voice of reason. Hello. I'm very reasonable. We don't need him. Actually, you do. All right. There are a lot of lies going around about this election law, and it's shameful that Georgia corporations are taking a stand against it based on these lies. Oh, what lies? First of all, that this law makes it illegal to pass out water. Yes, it does. It's illegal to give any gifts to people who are in line to vote, as it should be. Voters should be protected from any attempt to influence their vote. 
But if a person hands out water to thank people for being willing to wait in a long line, well, what's wrong with that? Look, it's only illegal to be within 150 feet of a polling place. You can still set up a water stand farther away. But you have to understand that Republicans have a history of closing polling places in minority-heavy precincts, forcing longer lines, which is why bringing voters water is a thing. Democrats are also lying about how this law ends Sunday voting. It doesn't. That's true. So you admit that the hyper-partisan talking points by Democrats are lies? Well, they're outdated. The earlier versions of the bill did eliminate Sunday voting, and this bill does nothing to guarantee Sunday voting. I'll still count that as a win. However, given the new law allows the state legislature to intervene and take over running elections, and given that Georgian Republicans have done nothing to earn the benefit of the doubt, well, it's perfectly reasonable to believe that Republicans will use this law to take over elections in Atlanta counties but you can't prove we're gonna do that. If not to do exactly that, why pass this law? To prevent voter fraud. Because of the perception of something untrue, you had to take action. That's right. <laughs> and that's why I, Will Smith, am moving production of my movie, Emancipation, out of Georgia. Big Willie style. However, as the voice of reason, I should also point out that the movie industry specifically pulling out of Georgia will do a lot more harm than good because the film industry in Georgia is a sizable part of the reason for the influx of Democratic voters that swung the state blue. Pulling out could lead to swinging back. Uh, uh, but I really don't want to have to keep flying to Georgia to make movies. So let's go to my yacht in the West Keys. And it feels like it, that's probably the real reason Hollywood is pulling out, because punishing Atlanta-based actors and crews by taking their work away for the actions of the Republican legislature, it's kind of like a teacher taking her frustration out on a class full of troublemakers on the one good kid. Settle down, you little bastards! That's it! I'm confiscating your textbooks! I don't give a shit. Here you go. I need that to study for the test. Well, you should have known better! This is what you get for being a little class full of shitholes! Reporting from the class full of shitholes that is Georgia, I'm the actual voice of reason. And it feels like there's a dice in the mirror. Last month, Barely Audible Whisper reported on the fact that the Vice President and 30 Voice of Justice, Kamala Harris, was temporarily living in the Blair House, which is essentially a suite that houses foreign dignitaries on official White House visits due to lengthy delays in a restoration project on the Vice President's official residency. There was a Vice President, and that Vice President spent three months using the Blair House like it was a damn day's in express. This month, Vice President Harris finally moved into her new home, around the same time that Allie, Barely Audible Whisper's Vice President Harris impersonator, moved to Chicago. I am an American of Polish descent, and Chicago is to Polish Americans what Israel is to the Jewish peoples. We're like 95% sure that that joke is not anti-Semitic, 
but we'd like to apologize in advance if we're wrong. Anyway, since Allie and the vice president she so masterfully impersonates moved at about the same time, we decided to do a sketch highlighting Vice President Harris settling into her new place. Uh, so, uh, where you want this new dresser? There was a bedroom. And that bedroom needs a piece of furniture that is both decorative and functional. Okay, okay. Could you come to the point a little faster? This dresser's really heavy. And that piece of furniture is a dresser. Seriously, I'm starting to lose my grip. And that dresser needs to go flush against the back wall. It's over here. But that dresser also needs to be centered so as to not interrupt the flow of the bedroom. Honey, have you seen my toothbrush? There was a little box. Uh, could you skip the long-winded speech thing? Uh, I'm late for work. And that little box was labeled Doug's Toiletries. Do, do you know where the box is? There was a moving company. Oh no. And that moving company was not detail-oriented. Put the boxes marked books in the bathroom so there's room on the bookshelves to put the boxes marked bathroom. Thank you. So that the little box could be anywhere in this damn house. Uh, hey, hey, Kamala. Uh, I showed up unannounced to welcome you to your new home. Because even though I'm president, I'm still the type of guy that does stuff like that. Oops! Oh, man. I dropped that face trying to salute the president. There was a mover who didn't seem to grasp the simple fact that a mover doesn't need to salute the president. Oh, back when I was uh, Barack's vice president. Uh, I call him Barack because we're buddies. Uh, Jill and I used to live in this house. I remember one time I, I, I was in the living room and, and Jill came home and she said, There was a president. And that president used to be the vice president. Joe, she said. The thing about living in the vice president's residence is... And the president who used to be vice president tell so many long, rambling, pointless stories about being vice president. But then Barack called. I, I call him Barack. Uh, so, so I had to take the call. Uh, but then I finished talking to Barack, uh, who I call Barack because we're, we're buddies. Uh, and I prompted Jill to finish her thought. And Jill said, Joe. That in order to block him out. I'm going to help my husband find his toothbrush. I found the Doug's toiletries box, but there's no toothbrush. I found it. Oh, thanks, honey. Where, where was it? There was a little box. You know what? It, it's not important. I've got to get to work. And that little box was labeled Kamala's toiletries. If you could just hand me the toothbrush, 
And there was a toothbrush. And that toothbrush belonged to Doug. But somehow, Doug's toothbrush ended up in the little box labeled Kamala's Toiletries by mistake. A revelation is that I'm not congested anymore. <laughs> so this feels a little different. After administering more than 7 million doses, a total of six women had serious blood clots believed to be related to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. That's literally less than one in a million. Prompting the government to pause the use of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine pending further study of the risk. The risk which is literally less than one in a million. For more on the nuanced cost-benefit analysis of the Johnson & Johnson pause, less than one in a million is not nuanced. Barely Audible Whisper turns to our nuanced correspondent, whose name is merely a label that does not adequately capture the fullness of his... That's too much nuance. Hello, I'm Barely Audible Whisper's nuance correspondent here to discuss the pause on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which would actually be more correctly understood as stemming from inherent inadequacies in the emergency authorization process, which, if you Too really think of nuance. it- The less nuanced- Thank you. And therefore oversimplified- Whatever. Understanding of the vaccine pause is that it is an overreaction to a statistically insignificant occurrence of negative potential side effects. A risk of less than one in one million is not worth the overall risk of slowing down the entire vaccination effort, which is our only way out of this. However, the more concerning risk is that given the necessity of releasing a vaccine whose long-term effects could not adequately be studied and the inability to determine for certain the risk of potentially fatal blood clots is in fact limited to only the six cases we can confirm, the possibility of a more widespread risk cannot be ruled out. Damn it. That's an incredibly annoying, but ultimately appropriate degree of nuance. Adding to the complexities of balancing safety concerns with the need of quickly distributing a vaccine. While Johnson & Johnson is committed to vaccine safety, we would remind people that only one woman died and would therefore like to amend our slogan from no more tears to one random and inexplicable tear is acceptable in a crisis. Is the issue of vaccine hesitancy, which runs the gambit for reasonable people with reasonable concerns. Oh, I'm afraid that the hasty rush to develop a vaccine may have compromised safety. Two Trump supporters with Trump supporter concerns. The vaccine is a deep state Bill Gates space laser plot to control our minds with transgender microchips made out of Hillary's emails 
and communist voting machines. And while there's nothing that will convince the most unreasonable anti-vaxxers, the vaccine is a secret mind control formula by Whole Foods and the ghost of Mao Zedong to brainwash people into buying gender-neutral potato toys and be the change you want to see in the world bumper stickers. That's not enough nuance. Quelling the fears and uncertainties of reasonable vaccine skeptics. It's hard to trust something called Operation Warp Speed. Can I really trust a vaccine program ordered by a con man and named after Star Trek lingo? Is necessary in order to achieve the level of herd immunity necessary to eliminate COVID as a crisis. But pausing the vaccine over a minor issue will increase hesitancy by amplifying the idea that vaccination isn't safe. No, pausing the vaccine out of an abundance of caution in order to study the potential risks and either address whatever problems we discover or move forward having determined that the risk level is in fact extremely minimal will reassure people that the process is safe. Too much nuance. Unfortunately, while experts have been debating the hesitancy issue in every media outlet, the one point of view absent from coverage of this debate is that of the actual people who are actually hesitant about actually taking the actual vaccine. I, I don't even have a real line here because my point of view is so absent from the debate about my point of view that it's impossible to write my point of view. Equally important to consider is the fact that even though there are only six known cases of blood clots, we cannot as of yet confirm that there are not more cases that we simply do not know about yet. What are the odds of that happening? We don't know. That's the whole point. Therefore, in the overall cost-benefit analysis of pausing the vaccine, we must balance the short-term delays that might also prevent long-term disaster of a pause versus not pausing the vaccine, which prevents short-term delays, which will hasten our ability to get out of this long-term disaster. It's too much nuance. Well, actually, it's an appropriate but incredibly frustrating level of nuance. And that's the vaccine news. Actually, it's more accurate to say that this has been a reduction of the overall state of news to be more easily if not less completely, understood. Following the guilty verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial, as well as multiple instances of white police officers shooting unarmed black people, 
white people across the country have been awkwardly discussing race. Did you know that black parents have to have a talk with their children about how to behave if confronted by the police to avoid being accidentally killed? I have read about that, but I don't believe what I read in the lamestream media. Get out of the car and keep your hands where I can see them. May I respectfully ask what I did, Hello, officer? Hello, officer. How are you today? I'm fine. Just needlessly escalating the routine traffic stop of an unarmed black man. Be careful. You have a very dangerous job. Will do. Oops. Oh, that wasn't a gun. Huh. Uh, he's just got black hands and, you know, which are the same color as the gun, so, so I got confused. That's understandable. You have a very difficult job. He should have had more respect for law and order. Speaking of which, uh, would you mind not pointing that military-grade assault weapon at me? How dare you violate my rights? This is tyranny, and I will kill all tyrants. Please stop threatening me, or I may have to write you a ticket. Ma'am, you almost hit me when you blew a hole in the ticket I was writing. And I would remind you that just because you shot the ticket does not mean you don't have to pay the small fine. I am tired of living under this tyrannical oppression! Okie dokie, have a nice day. And since the police seem to kill unarmed black people no matter what they do, we here at Barely Audible Whisper thought it might be more effective to have a couple of white parents have a talk with the police instead of forcing black parents to keep having the talk with their children. Hey, buddy, can we talk for a minute? Well, what about? It's nothing you did. I mean, it's totally something you did, but we're not blaming you for it. Yeah, I mean, you have a really difficult job, so we're not judging. It's just... What we're trying to say is you can't keep shooting all the black people. Mm -mm. But I have a really difficult job. I know, but... The thing is, you shot the black guy who posed no actual threat, but you also let the white lady shoot a military-grade assault rifle at you without batting an eye. I'm not racist. Nobody's accusing you of anything. It just seems like maybe, I mean, just maybe, maybe. just maybe, you could use some bias training. It's no big deal. You just... You just sit through a class and learn how to not shoot all of the black people. But I'm not racist. We know. It's just... Take a look at this video. Hmm? What do you see? Kill! 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 Aw, that poor white fella's having a bad day. Mm. Mm. Now, look at this video. Hmm? my god, he might have a gun! I feel danger! Only shooting him will make me feel safe. Now, what if, and just hear me out, what if the guy covered in camo and Nazi insignias, brandishing a machine gun, and screaming kill, 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 actually posed more of a threat than the guy whistling? How do you figure? 
unarmed, whistling, versus armed to the teeth and screaming kill. Just think about it. You mean I should be afraid of the guy screaming kill because he might be friends with the whistling black guy? No, not (sighs) quite. Do, Do you mean that the black guy might not be dangerous? Because whistling is an activity more associated with white people? So he might be one of the good ones? Uh, closer? How is that closer? I don't know. I'm trying to be supportive. Do you mean that skin color shouldn't be a determinative factor in assessing risk? (gasps) My God, I think he's got it. We are so proud of you. Thanks. Hey, uh, while we're talking... What's the difference between my gun and a taser? Oh, oh god damn it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, starring writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress Molly Baldwin, writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown, actors Emily Sams-Brown, Ali Glonick, Tommy Strack, Michael Morgan... Robin Ward and Joshi Newkirk. Please check out uh, barelyaudiblewhisper.com where you can subscribe to our podcast or you can subscribe to our podcast wherever else you subscribe to your podcasts. We appreciate your support. You're putting an extra T in immunity, which is fun because then you're saying titty. <laughs> Maybe fun for you. <laughs> loving memory of Corey Burns. Hubris. <laughs>